great. I'll tell you what membership involves later. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll pass you to our treasurer. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's good to see you. Uh, let me start this morning with some perspective on the morning of our AGM. You and I are insignificant, but we're loved by a God who brings deep significance to our lives. You and I are finite, and we're here today, and we're gone tomorrow. We are dust that's going to return to dust, but we praise a God who is infinite and never changing. You and I are incredibly weak, but we serve a God who is strong. You and I are broken and, to be honest, a bit of a mess, but we have a faith in a God who brings healing and wholeness. You and I are trapped in guilt and shame and unforgiveness, but we have a God a Lord, a Savior, who came and lived and died and rose again to set us free. You and I can do very little in this world. But we trust in a God who can do all things. Have you ever been asked or forced to do something you really didn't want to do? You don't want to do it because you just know in your very depths of your being that you're going to absolutely suck at it. It's going to be a disaster, but someone convinces you to do it because it's going to be good for you. <laughs> this happened to me recently. I'm going to preface this story by saying I love my wife very much. She's amazing in so many ways and we've been together for over 30 years and I should know her by now. But every year she surprises me. Every Christmas she buys me something that she thinks I will enjoy. An experience that she believes will be good for me. An experience that I've never done before. What she perhaps has failed to understand in her eagerness is the reason I've never done it before is probably because I don't want to do it. I know I'm going to be useless at it. But bless her, she still perseveres. One year, it was ballroom dancing lessons. I have no rhythm and two left feet. Another year, it was sailing lessons. I get seasick and hate water. This year, she surpassed herself. She presented me with four hours of intensive one-on-one -on -one Spanish lessons. <laughs> now, for those of you who know me, you know that I have absolutely no aptitude to learn languages. I'm useless. At Regent College, they had to evoke the mercy rule 
to get me through Greek and Hebrew. I speak one language, and that's the Queen's English. And at times I struggle with that. Four hours of Spanish. Oh, darling, how lovely. Thank you. No! Why Spanish, you ask? Well, our eldest daughter, Amy, is engaged to be married to a Spanish guy. And we're going to get to meet the parents soon. And the parents don't speak English, so we have to learn Spanish. I didn't want to go. I really did not want to go. I developed a severe and sudden case of laryngitis two hours before my class. Didn't wash. Here's some throat sweets now. Go. Dragged myself into the class. I was greeted by this over-enthusiastic lady from Mexico. <laughs> Como estas? <laughs> what? <laughs> Como what? <laughs> no, no, no. Speaking English. <laughs> it was simply awful. She carried on speaking Spanish solidly for four hours. I was terrible. I tried, but I was speaking gobbledygook, a combination of French and German and English. It was awful. I was making up words. And by the end of the four hours, I had even worn down my enthusiastic teacher. I left her. She was a broken woman. Slumped in the corner with a nasty twitch and a manic, joker-like laugh. <laughs> I, I exaggerate slightly. She's very unlike me. I did learn some Spanish, and in hindsight, I'm glad I did it. But I didn't want to go. I really didn't want to go. Why? Because I knew it would be completely out of my comfort zone. Completely out of my depth. Ever been there? <laughs> Felt totally out of your depth. I can't do this. I really don't want to do this. Perhaps you're there now. Well, if you are, congratulations. Because I believe that God has specific word for you this morning. In fact, God wants to give you a formula, a mathematical formula, and it's this. GP plus O equals F. We're in the Old Testament. We're in the Old Testament book of Exodus, looking at a journey to freedom. And what we found so far over the last few weeks is this Hebrew nation in Egypt, and they're in slavery. They're trapped in despair under a tyrannical leader hell-bent on genocide. But God has heard their cry. He's seen their suffering. He, he has compassion and he begins to act. At first, he, he acts behind the scenes with midwives and mothers and daughters and sisters but as we saw last week, he enters the action in the most dramatic fashion, in a fire. A fire that is both terrible.
terrifying and yet inviting. And he speaks to this Hebrew guy, Moses, who's used to, he used to live the high life in the king's palace in Egypt and, and he has to flee because he gets hot-headed and he kills an Egyptian. And so he spends the next 40 years wandering and drifting in the wilderness looking after his father-in-law's sheep. And it's to this man that God appears and shares his plan to set his people free. He says, Moses, I'm going to send you to the king and you're going to say that you've spoken with I am. I be who I be and he wants you to let his people go. Sound okay, Moses? Right, off you go. Well, this morning we're going to look at Moses' response to God's plan. And you'll find it in Exodus chapter 4. Uh, if you have a Bible, follow it along with me, because I think it'll be helpful as we go through it. Um, I'm actually only going to read, I'm not going to go to 17. I am going to go to verse 9. So let's just read the first nine verses in chapter 4. So this is, God's come to him and he's outlined the whole plan and Moses answered. What if they don't believe me? Or listen to me? And say, no, the Lord didn't appear to you. Then the Lord said to Moses, what's that in your hands? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. <coughs> and Moses ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, come back, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak and when he took it out, it was full of leprosy, like snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak. And when he took it out, it was restored, like the rest of his flesh. And then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first miraculous sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile, pour it on the dry ground, and the water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. The focus last week was on God, the transcendent God and the imminent God. But the focus this week is going to be on God, the transcendent God and the imminent God. Because it's always about him, never about us and what we can do. But in this passage, we'll also get to see the heart and mind of Moses as he responds to God. And what we see is, if we're honest, that Moses is a bit like a mirror for us. 
You see, the reaction of Moses is so often our reaction when we're called by God to do something that is way beyond us. You know, seriously, you want me to do that? Thanks, Lord, but no thanks. I'll, I'll take a pass. I don't want to go. I don't want to do it. But here's the one big point that God wants us to hear this morning. If we want to be free, if we really want to live the life we're created to live with sheer abandon, with no fear, then we need that formula. GP plus O equals F. And we're going to unpack that as we go through the text. I want to start by looking at the reaction of Moses. Look at verse 1. Moses answers, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say the Lord didn't appear to you? The mighty God, the great I am, the transcendent God, who is above all things, above every name, who has no beginning or end, who just is, he be who he be, says to Moses, this is what's going to happen. This is how I'm going to do it, and I want to do it through you, Moses. You're going to go down in history. And Moses says, I don't know. Why do they don't believe me? I don't know. Looking wet blanket. Here's what I want you to notice. Do you remember Moses in chapter 2? He was a kind of brash, highly educated know-it-all. Remember that? He was a bit of a Jack the Lad. You know, a bit arrogant. Full of himself. He was the one who tried to start a one-man rebellion against Egypt by killing this Egyptian. Look at him now. What we have is a very different man. We have a man who's probably in his 80s. He's broken. All of his ambition has dried up, and he's content just to hang with sheep and stay away from people. This is where we find Moses. And it begs the question, why did God wait until this time to call Moses? You see, if he had come 40 years earlier, when he was full of vigor and bravery, Moses would have snapped his hand off, wouldn't he? You bet, God. Yeah, come on, let's go and get him. Why wait until Moses becomes Mr. Nothing? With no bravado, no courage, and just plenty of smelly sheep. Because God never uses those who are full of themselves. He always uses those who know they need to be full of God. He always uses the broken, the humble, not the proud and the cocky. You see, Moses had to get to this point in his life in order to be used by God. Because otherwise, what would have happened? He would have gone off on his own and said, great, I can do that. I can try to do it all on my own. Do it in his own strength. And what would have happened? It would have ended up a complete and utter mess. Someone asked me a question said, so, uh, this week. They said, so how? Tell, tell me about your call to ministry. 
And I said, well, within three months of me becoming a Christian, I felt called to ministry, to become a pastor. Three months. And after three months, I went and had an interview at Spurgeon's College. Spurgeon's College in London is the most prestigious college in the UK. Started by Charles Spurgeon. Big, ornate house, all full of uh, uh, history. So I went in there after three months of being a Christian and I sat down with uh, one of the, the staff there. He was a bit of a hoity-toity guy, full of, you know, stuck up and all that. And uh, I said, he said, what, what, what can I do for you? I said, I want to become a pastor. When, now. I want to become a pastor now. And he said, oh, okay, so tell me a little bit about your journey with Christ. I said, well, I've had three months. <laughs> and he said, well, tell me what, what books you've read. I've said, I said, I've read lots. I've read all the Narnia stories. He said, have you read anything heavier? He said, well, Sonny, I think you need to sort of go back to your church, do a little bit more work, a bit more study, and then come back and see us in a few years. I got up and I left and I thought, what a stuck-up wasp. Fancy that. What's wrong with me? I know it. I know that I can become a pastor. Seventeen years later, I became a pastor. Why? Because I needed the hard knocks of life. I needed my pride to be cut out of me so that God could use me. God always waits until we get to the point where we say like Moses, Oh Lord, I can't. And he says, great, now you get it. No, you can't do it. Absolutely right. But I can through you. Hang on to me and let's go for a run. We got the AGM coming up afterwards. And I was thinking about this, that if we want to do things this year, if we want to punch above our weight... We have to continually say, flipping heck, we can't do this. There is no way we can do that. If we start to think we're something special, we're in trouble. Okay? I want to tell you, I love you, but you are average at best. <laughs> and I... I'm average, well actually I'm below average. But with God, we're A plus students. Okay? Alright, back to the story. Alright, let's look at, uh, notice God's reaction to Moses and his feeble response. You see, God doesn't speak to his low self-esteem. He, he doesn't come and put an arm around Moses 
says, oh, there, there. Now, Moses, I don't like you talking about yourself like that. You're putting yourself down all the time. You, you know Egyptian, you know the culture and their ways. You're, you're actually quite smart. You're one of the smarter people that I've created. <laughs> now, come on, pull yourself up. No, no, she doesn't say that. Because the more you focus on you, the less you think you can do. God gives him what he needs. He gives him a picture of God that transcends his low self-esteem. Yeah, I know you can't. I can. What the Lord gives Moses is three signs. He gives him the sign of the snake. Uh, he gives him the sign of leprosy being cleansed. And he gives him the sign of the Nile being turned into blood. What are these signs all about? Why the signs? Well, signs aren't party tricks. Okay? It's not God trying to do children's magic so that everyone goes, Ooh! How did he do that? I don't know how to do another one. Let's have another one. No, they're not God's party tricks. When you see signs or miracles in the Bible, it's God's way of communicating to the world around us something about himself. That's why. And in these three signs, he wants to teach Moses something. He wants to teach the Hebrew nation something, and he wants to teach the Egyptians something. And these three signs are incredibly significant, and they're going to help us unlock the formula. GP, GP plus O equals F. All right? Let's look at them. Verse 2. Actually, I'm going to act this out for you. Thank you, Daphne, for your stuff. Okay, um, I'm actually going to reprise. Uh, I, I actually starred as Moses in a production of uh, From Pharaoh to Freedom uh, back in, I believe, 1985. We toured most of the halls in Gravesend. <laughs> <coughs> so if you just bear with me as I uh, recreate that role. So what happens is God says, what's that in your hand, Moses? He says, said, throw it on the ground. <gasps> Turns into the snake. And God says, pick it up. Pick it up by the tail. There is so much going on here. This is big. This is a big moment. Don't lose this. What we see here is the Lord revealing his power after Moses takes a step of faith. As Moses steps into obedience, 
God's power is revealed. I'm going to say that again because this is gold this morning. As Moses steps into obedience, God's power is revealed. You see, God has done a lot of talking here, but where do we see his power? We see his power when Moses takes the step. God says, throw down the staff on the ground. He throws his staff, it turns into a snake. Reach down and grab the snake by the tail. Now listen. Never do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Apparently, here's a good t- tip when you come face to face with an unfriendly snake. Not that there are many friendly snakes. But uh, when you come face to face, don't pick it up by the tail because you'll get bitten. Grab it by the head. Moses would have known this. He's a shepherd. He's been a shepherd for 40 years. And he sees this snake and we're told that he runs. Which means that this thing is deadly. He runs and the Lord goes, stop running come back, pick it up by the tail. Now this is the moment, isn't it? What's Moses going to do? He can run or he can obey. That moment, that moment that we all get from time to time when God tells us to do something. Am I going to do it, or am I going to run? Wonderful moment. I would have loved to have been there to see that moment. And Moses, rooted in faith, steps forward in obedience and reaches out and grabs the tail. And that's when we see the power of God. It becomes a staff and he picks it up. God's power is revealed. We see his power at work when we take a step of faith and obedience. Not before. We see that in this text, but we're going to see it throughout the whole book of Exodus. And to be honest, throughout scripture. God's word comes to Moses. Moses, do this. Moses thinks about it. Moses does it, God's power is revealed. Isn't that cool? But why, why does God do that? Why can't God just cut out the middleman, the you and I? I mean, just do it yourself. Why? It'd be far less messy, wouldn't it? It would be far more efficient. Obviously, God's not an accountant. (laughs) Why use us? Because you see, each time we take a step, a step of faith, our faith grows. Our desire to do God's work grows. We become more and more and more free from fear we'll be prepared to do more and more things that seem impossible. Ultimately, we become free to live the life we're created to live with sheer abandon. 
GP plus O equals F. This is what Moses is learning here. You see, each sign that God gives would have had a special significance to Moses. Why the snake? Well, on Pharaoh's crown, the crown that Pharaoh would wear, there was a hooded cobra facing out toward the enemies of Egypt. And this cobra was a sign of Egyptian power and sovereign rule, so that the Egyptians believed and the Hebrews would have been taught that when Pharaoh puts on his crown with the cobra unfurled on his head, then he becomes a type of living God. In fact, the most powerful God in all of the known world. And God says, let me show you what I think of this snake. Pick it up by the tail. What's he saying? What's he showing to Moses? He's saying, I am is not afraid of your power. Compared to me, it's no power at all. No power is above me. No name is above me. No self-confessed God is above, above me. Moses, touch it by the tail. And it would become harmless. This is the power of God flowing in and through Moses when he obeys. This is great. What about the next sign? Look at verse 6. Leprosy. He says, put your, put your hand inside your cloak. And he puts it on. He goes, Ugh. put it back in. Why leprosy? Leprosy in that period of human history is the greatest illness, the greatest disease. No one had any answer for leprosy. What we find in some ancient writings is that Egypt had thrown so much of its wealth and some of its brightest minds on trying to find a cure for this highly contagious disease that was ravaging the ancient world, but to no avail. Think coronavirus and times it by a hundred. That's the fear that leprosy had in that day. But notice what God does. He says, hey, you know what Egypt, they're unable to do with all their wisdom, with all their gold? Moses, put your hand inside your cup. Pull it out. That's a death sentence, Moses. That's stage four. I'm guessing there's a little bit of panic in Moses's face at this point. Okay, put it back inside your coat. You see, what Egypt could not do, the Lord did in seconds. God's power is bigger than the fiercest disease. Let me say that again. God's power is bigger than the fiercest disease. And this is the power of God flowing in and through Moses when he obeys. 
Lastly, the Nile. The Nile was everything to Egypt. The wealth and power of Egypt stemmed from the Nile. The production of crops, the transportation of goods, almost all the power of Egypt was built around the Nile. They called the Nile the father of life, the mother of all, the divine spirit that blessed the land. To them, the Nile made Egypt, Egypt. And God said, if they won't listen to you with the first sign or the second sign, do this. Go and get some water from the Nile and pour it on the ground and it'll turn to blood. I'll turn the Nile into blood. You see, you are sustained by the Nile, but the Nile is sustained by me and my power. This is the power of God flowing in and through Moses when he obeys. Do you see? Are you, are you getting the point? What seems impossible to us is easy with God. He has the power to do all things. He has the power to change all situations. He has the power to transform lives. He has the power to do amazing things. Amazing things here in Vancouver. Amazing things here at City View. Amazing things in us. He has the power to set us free to live the lives we're born to live. And he says, it's yours. But you have to take a step first. Be obedient and take a step of faith. Pick up that snake. Put your hand in the cloak. Get the water from the Nile. But I don't want to. I don't think I can do it. That's way beyond my comfort zone. I'm going to be useless at it. I might look foolish. What if it doesn't work? Trust me, God says. Because GP plus O equals F. God's power plus obedience equals freedom. God's power plus our obedience gives us freedom. Freedom to live a life without fear. Gives us freedom to live a life trusting God. A life of doing amazing things. Doing things that we never thought possible. God's power plus our obedience gives us freedom to say, yes, Lord. Gives us freedom to take on new challenges. Gives us freedom to live, really live. It's all there for us, God says. All we have to do is take a step of faith and trust him. And be obedient to him. Our job is not to work out the hows or the whys. It's just to be obedient to what he is calling us to do. Are you feeling out of your depth this morning? Are you being asked to do something that you really don't want to do? I feel totally inadequate doing this. I can't do that. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Is God calling you to take a step of faith? Maybe God's calling you to take a huge leap of faith. 
Well, you need to remember that we can do very little in this world. But put your trust in a God who can do all things. GP plus up equals freedom. Let's pray. that's you, I, I really believe that God wants to give you a picture this morning that he is bigger than you think he is. He is more powerful than you think he is. And maybe you've been trying to do this stuff on your own. You need to humble yourself and say, Lord, I can't do it. Will you help? And he may still ask you to step out in faith. But be reassured that his power will be there to meet you when you do. Father, I thank you. I thank you. You're a God who is transcendent. You're above everything. You're above nations and kings. You're above disease. Father, would you come and be with us as we take steps of faith for you this morning? As a church, Lord, this year, as we take steps of faith that seem totally wacky, would you come and meet us and reveal your power to us? Thank you that we can serve 